Live from the offices of Great River Investments in the beautiful city of Burlington, Iowa, this is the Marvin Knows Finances Show. I am your host, Marvin Thompson, your certified financial planner, and joining me today is Joe Jolin of Jolin Media in West Burlington, Iowa. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen in. And for all you listeners on Google Podcasts and Spotify, don't forget to click the subscribe button. If you prefer to see how we make the show come together, please check out our YouTube channel, Marvin Knows Finances, and click subscribe there as well. Just like the last and every time, I have to take care of a little business before we get moving too far forward to please my compliance department. Marvin Thompson is an investment advisor representative and a registered representative with Brokers Financial member SIPC. Opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily reflect those of Brokers Financial. The topics discussed and opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Great River Investments LLC does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstances. So, Joe, it's just you and me today, bud. Glad to be here. Yeah. We're going to knock it out of the park. We're going to knock it out of the park. Todd is enjoying a very uh, well-deserved vacation, um, one that him and his wife have been planning for quite a while. So we hope they're having a great time out there. So um, we're going to start today with the question of the week. And, uh, man, talk about my phone blowing up with this one question. Here Mm -hmm. it is. What is going on with this economy, and why is the market doing what it's doing? Mm-hmm. Well, basically, let's start out with some, some basic things, okay? Um, yes, the market is down year-to-date pretty significantly. Um, at this point, I think we've probably seen the highs of the market for the year um, back in January, okay? Mm-hmm. So we are in what's currently called a bear market. And um, you know, some of you may remember the most recent bear market, which occurred during the coronavirus pandemic. Um, and that's when the market fell by 34% in one month. So between the days of February 19th and March 23rd of 2020, um, there was extreme volatility in the market. It was insane. So um, this also, I mean, the most recent bear market also happens to be the shortest bear market in history because it only lasted basically, you know, a month and four days. But nonetheless, it was a very memorable mm-hmm. uh, bear market. I think it was a memorable time for everybody during that time. Yeah, I mean. Probably understand, I guess. It might be a once-in-a-lifetime type of situation. But the good news is, of course, after March 23rd, the market started recovering. And boom, we ended up at some pretty high levels. New highs, actually. Um, so let's start out today by just kind of describing what a bear market is. Okay, A bear market is basically defined as a prolonged dip in the investment prices. Okay. Uh, generally, we are considered to be in a bear market when a major index drops by more than 20% from its most recent highs. So if we look this year, you know, the S&P was pretty much at its all-time high or close to it back in January of 2022. Um, and then we slipped into bear market territory around 20, or June of 2022. Okay? So between January and June, basically, we saw a 20% decline in the market. Now, the market is really trying to do everything it can to stay out of this, but we've moved past that point now to where we're pretty much solidly in a bear market. So, you know, why has this happened? Yeah. You know, I think, I think there are times when people are investing their monies and, you know, people are trying to day trade or whatever they're trying to do, where they forget just how complicated the market actually is, hmm. you know. Um, people in my line of work, we tend to spend years studying trends and historical valuations of the market. Um, just to kind of see, you know, can we pick up on any patterns? Can we can we notice something that might help our clients out? So we're going to talk about a few of them today um, in terms of not necessarily trends or patterns, but just kind of what the underlying reasons are for um, what's going on. Um, so first of all, valuations. Um, valuations of companies are, you know, it gives us an idea of how cheap basically the stock is. Uh, we look at things, their, their current price versus their earnings, 
We take guidance from some analysts maybe on what they think a reasonable stock price should be. We listen to the, um, the reports from the boards, um, from the CEOs, the CFOs, and we're trying to put valuations on um, companies. And a very common one would be something like the P.E. ratio, where we're comparing price to earnings, mm-hmm. okay, a P.E. ratio. Mm-hmm. And P.E. ratios um, give us an indication, once again, of how cheap the stock is, you know. And when we were looking back in January, we were seeing and we were hearing um, overvalued companies, overvaluations on companies. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to pick any one of them out. You know, I don't want to make my compliance department upset by doing Mm -hmm. this. But um, you can think about some of these major companies who were sitting at really high prices and have now dropped way down. It's Hmm. it's unbelievable. Hmm. Um, So valuations are a big thing. Um, There was a bear bear correction, uh, the technology crash. I think it was back in 2000, 2002. Um, or valuations, once again, hmm. were the underlying cause. You know, we had companies out there trading at extremely high valuations and multiples, and it, it just doesn't work over a long hmm. period of time. Um, inflation. Let's talk about inflation. You know, um, we're going to dig more into inflation quite a bit, but inflation's at currently at 40-year highs. You know, I'm kind of a student of finance, you know, and I went back and looked. And um, when you start pulling up inflationary data, you know, what we're in right now pretty much reminds me a little bit of 1973. So in 1973, you know, we started out January of 1973 at a 3.6% inflation rate, okay? Um, by the end of November, we were at 8.7%, okay? So you look at it now, and you say, okay, in January of 2022, we were sitting at about, I'm sorry, January of 2021, we were sitting at about 1.7 inflation, okay? Now we're at 8.6. So um, history tends to repeat itself, but like I said, we're going to talk a little bit more about inflation and how they can correct it and so forth. Um, interest rates are rising. We have geopolitical impacts. You know, China's going on uh, lockdowns. Uh, we got the Ukraine-Russian war, of course. That impacts a lot of things and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, money supplies. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in more detail because a lot of people don't understand really what, what the functioning of all this is. Um, you also got to remember corrections are normal. You know, corrections in a market are normal. They're almost healthy. Now, 20% corrections, not so healthy, mm-hmm. Okay. But in a lot of cases, you know, as an investment advisor, sometimes we don't even look at a correction until it hits about the 10% level, just because it's such a normal, healthy thing for a market to have, Hmm. you know, so. Um, And then, of course, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, history tends to repeat itself. You know, if we are students of finance, if we are students of history, we can kind of see some of these patterns redeveloping again. Now, history doesn't repeat itself exactly the same, Mm -hmm. but it gives us an idea of what's going on. Yeah. So, Okay. So let's focus on inflation first, okay? So we've talked about inflation multiple times in our podcasts, um, but just to remind you once again, you know, inflation by definition is a decrease in the purchasing power of money. In other words, what used to cost a dollar today is not going to cost you a dollar in the future, okay? Uh, Currently, we're seeing extremely high fuel prices. Mm. I think the national average as of the date of this recording is right around $5, probably give or take a few cents. And food prices, I mean, we all go to the grocery store and we see what's happening with food prices. They're, they're going through the roof. You know, you have four kids. You know, yes, I, do. I would be curious to know what Our, the weekly food budget is. Yeah, no, you don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't high. even know, do you? It's high. No, I, I do some grocery shopping and it continues to go up every time. And not only that, it seems like my kids just keep 
since they're getting bigger, they eat more and more and more. They grow. It's yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. Thank God you have uh, meat that you've uh, <laughs> right. taken care of yeah. yourself. And we, and we hunt. So. <laughs> there you go. Um, how does the Fed control inflation? Okay, so this is where we're going to kind of dig into the weeds a little bit and kind of talk about what you're seeing on the news and so forth. Okay. So the Fed is not necessarily, it's a government entity, but it's not, it's kind of an independent is the best way to say it. Okay. The Fed is an independent um, operation from the government. Um, so the Federal Reserve does what's called tracking the money supply in the United States. Um, the money supply is basically monies that are held in checkings or savings accounts. Okay. Um, money supply does not include other forms of wealth, such as your IRAs, your long-term investments, your loans, your mortgages, et cetera. It's basically just cash. So when there was a financial crisis, the Fed will maybe increase the money supply to you know, help alleviate certain problems. But right now, we're in a situation where the Fed's pulling back on the money supply. Okay? So when the money supply in an economy grows at a faster rate than the economy's ability to produce goods and services, this is when we run into inflationary issues. Okay? So in order to control the current inflationary environment, the Fed has started raising interest rates and reducing the size of their balance sheet. So once again, like I just said a few seconds ago, they're pulling back. They're pulling back on the money supply. All right. Essentially, what they're doing by raising interest rates is trying to slow down the purchase of really just trying to slow down the economy, to be honest with you, because um, by raising interest rates, it makes it more difficult for people to purchase some items such as homes, cars, things like that. OK, um, the Fed has a difficult job and um, it's, it's definitely not a perfect science for them because they're looking at certain indicators that they want to establish, you know, they want maybe to have the Fed funds rate at whatever the rate is, 4%, let's say, okay? Um, they can't just wake up one morning and change it from near zero to 4%. It would send us into a catastrophic situation, okay? So what they do is they slowly integrate interest rate increases to help control, hopefully, inflation, to control the money supply, and do it on a step-by-step basis. Now, there's a lot of people on, on the TV, the talking heads that talk about the economy that say um, the Fed's basically playing behind the eight ball right now. You know, we should have been raising interest rates quite a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, even though they're an independent organization, sometimes you get the feeling that there's some political mm-hmm. uh, pressures not to do that. Sure. Um, our former president was definitely one that said we want to keep interest rates low. We want to keep the economy growing and so forth. But the reality of it is you can't do it all the time. Okay. So that's why it's really good that the Fed is an independent organization because they, uh, they have the ability to do things. Maybe it's not very popular. Okay? Mm-hmm. The thing they got to be careful about now, and in the past, um, what the Fed will do is they'll play catch-up, and then they'll go too far. Mm-hmm. So actually, I think Fed, Powell, Fed Chairman Powell right now is doing a fairly good job. Um, like I said, I do believe he's playing a little bit behind the eight ball, but I think he's being cautious, taking his approach, working through his numbers, um, and the Fed board's doing a fairly decent job. Mm-hmm. Okay? But we will also say that they're not where they need to be yet. Sure. Okay. Unfortunately, people, um, things are going to get more expensive. Yeah. You know, the cost of buying a home and just taking out that loan, it's going to become higher and higher and higher. Um, that's just that's just the way the game is played. It's the way the game is played. Okay. Um, at some point in the future, you know, the Fed might be in a position to lower rates. It's just not anytime soon. Okay. And what we definitely don't want to do is we don't want to get into a situation where, like back in 1980, when uh, interest rates were running at, you know, 12, 15, 16, 20 percent, and the Fed just had to keep constantly raising rates. We don't want to get in that situation. I don't see that setting itself up right now, but it's hard to say on a day-to-day basis what's going to happen. 
So, okay. So other items that are currently impacting uh, inflation. Okay, um, we have supply chain issues, and I'm going to make the little disclosure here. This is not a political. This is not a political conversation that we're having today. Okay, I'm just telling you the facts about what's going on and so forth. Um, but, you know, but based on recent reports, you know, we still have a backlog of ships at some of our major shipping ports. Um, they're doing their best to get things done, obviously. I mean, the logistics behind trying to feed a country the size of the United States is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. So um, we've all experienced store shelves looking a little less full than what we're used to. Um, that might become the new norm. But they do have to kind of work on the supply chain issues to get the uh, supply um, up to meet the demand. And I know they're working on it. So it's, it's like I said, it's an overwhelming task. Um, geopolitical issues. Uh, we talked about that in the uh, previous segment there. Um, a large amount of our goods and services are produced overseas. You know, some of these countries are still dealing with coronavirus issues like China. Uh, we have the Ukraine-Russian war. Um, some of these countries have gone so far as to shut down their cities. They're not allowing imports and exports in or out. So it's, it's a very challenging time. And just remember, if China's not producing, the world is not receiving. That's the bottom line. If Ukraine is not able to put their crop in, we have a serious supply shortage on grain, you know, not to mention all the other commodities that are produced in that part of the world. Um, government spending. You know, this is where people are going to start saying, oh, you're being political. No, nope. let me just let me just start by saying not one party is at fault. It's not just one of the parties. OK, um, stimulus actually started um, under the under the Trump administration uh, due to the coronavirus. OK, and governments love to give money away. It's kind of a kind of a thing. But once again, when we when we revert back to the money supply, if the, the government's giving stimulus checks, uh, for whatever reason it is, or providing um, benefits to people, um, that's adding more money to the supply, okay? It's putting more money into the system. And that's another inflationary pressure that needs to be controlled, okay? So, um, you know, you'll see it on TV where where people on one side are like, we need to do this, we need to do that, and the other side saying, no, we don't need to do this, we don't need to do that, okay? That's the political game. The reality of it is, is there probably are times when stimulus needs to happen. It has to happen. But as investors, we have to be prepared for down the road to realize that the more money that goes in, mm-hmm. we're going to face the pressures of that later on down the road. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, another thing is open borders. You know, um, open borders. It's, it sounds like a wonderful thing. You know, bring people in the United States. But when the government's paying... When we as taxpayers are paying for that, that's once again an inflationary pressure because it's just more money being spent, more money being spent. Mm-hmm. So really our government just needs to stop spending money. <laughs> I don't is think that's going to happen. Is there a disclosure for that? Or is that- <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. Okay, commodity <laughs> prices. Um, you know, commodity prices are higher than in years past. You know, oil, corn, beans, metals, all are seeing higher than normal pricing. Um, countries need to focus on what they can do for themselves. You know, um, an example of that... Um, an example of that might be Ukraine. You know, if Ukraine wasn't in the situation they are right now, and they were shipping 20 million tons of grain out to the world, you know, hey, that's a, that's a positive thing. That's going to help with the supply side of things. So, um, U.S. can become energy independent and start really focusing on pumping more of our own oil. Mm-hmm. Just simple things like that. Okay, 
So now I'll get off my soapbox. All right. So as an investor, you did, you did pretty good, actually. You know, we <laughs> soapbox and politics. That's a it's a tough one. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Well, like I said, trying not to be political okay, in this okay. conversation one bit. Yeah, Just remember, yeah. like I said, uh, neither party is innocent in this. I don't care what the TV there say. So, all right. So as an investor, what can you do? Well, the first thing is is and you know you guys are probably tired of hearing me say this, but you got to watch that budget. You know. Every single person is being in fact impacted some way by the current economic situation. You know, in Joe's case, it might be an increased food budget. You know, mm-hmm. instead of spending $200 at the grocery store right now a week, maybe he's spending $270 a week. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But, you know, make sure you're accounting for higher prices across the board with everything in your life. Folks, everything has gone up. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to continue to go up for a while. We're not through the inflationary pressures. Mm-hmm. We might see certain dips. We might see certain things like that, but it's not over with yet. Um, Investments. Um, Almost everyone has experienced a downward movement in their portfolios. There's very few people right now, unless you're heavily invested in energy or something like that, um, who's not experiencing some sort of downward pressure on their portfolios. Um, So review your holdings. Um, Talk to your your CFP about it. Make sure that you're still in the right portfolio based on your risk, okay? Um, Don't let your emotions get to you. Listen to our podcast on the psychology of money. You know, we we did one actually called the psychology of money, and we're going to be putting one out here pretty soon called the pitfalls investors face. And it's really all about that psychology of money, okay? Um, Look for opportunities. Now, nobody's going to time the bottom of this market movement perfectly. Everybody thinks they can. Nobody's going to do it, okay? Um, but there are opportunities out there right now. You and I were talking before we started recording this about just a couple of things that we were looking at, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so solid companies out there that produce things that are trading at cheap multiples, their valuations aren't crazy, they have little debt. I mean, those are opportunities for uh, an investor to get out there and possibly buy at a pretty low price on a solid company right now, mm-hmm. okay? Um once again, always looking at your time horizon and everything like that to make sure it's a good good thing. So, um, And then, of course, talk to your CFP. I know I keep saying this over and over and over again. Talk to your financial planner. Uh, make sure you're working with a financial planner because, you know, you got to rely on their experience. you got to rely on their knowledge. you got to rely on that person's ability to guide you through this and help you realize that, yes, we're in a downward market right now, but it won't be that way forever. Okay, eventually it will turn around. So anything to add today, Joe? No, I think you hit it on the head. Okay, perfect. So basically, you know, I've been working in the financial services industry for 28 years. Market dips and markets rise. Um, It's just what they do. The best investors tend to write out the trends and focus on their long-term goals. Uh, We are currently experiencing some inflation that hasn't happened in almost four decades. But with a little research, you can kind of see what's happened in the past and prepare prepare for what is about to happen. You know, be a historian of the financial markets, or better yet, work with an investment firm that has the knowledge and expertise to guide you through these difficult times. So as usual, my heartfelt thanks goes out to all of you for listening today. A special thanks to Joe Jolin from Jolin Media for joining me today and providing his amazing feedback and information. We want to hear from you. Please reach out to me by either giving me a call at 319-576-2264 or visiting my website at www.greatriverinvestments.com. Go to the Contact Us section of the site. I or a member of my team will be in touch with you shortly to discuss our next steps together. Have a great day.